So Money episode 275, Ask Farnoosh with special guest, Brittany Castro. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey, welcome back to So Money, everyone. Happy Friday. You know what it is today. It's Ask Farnoosh time, where I get to sit, relax, go through my inbox, check out what's on your money mind, and to help me because I'm just one person and I don't have all the answers. I wanted to team up this week with my friend and money guru, Brittany Castro. You know her. She's been on the show before, certified financial planner, entrepreneur, and personal finance expert for women. Brittany is the founder and CEO of Financially Wise Women, which is an LA-based financial planning firm for women. Brittany, welcome back to So Money. Thanks, Farnoosh, for having me. I'm I'm very excited to be here again. Yes, I you know I, I started doing these episodes on Fridays instead of the weekends to give everybody time off. But I thought it would be fun to have somebody else join me. So here and there, I've been inviting the guests that I love to come on. A lot of times, certified financial planners. Very honored to have you on the show, Brittany, because I know you do tremendous work, and we need more Britneys out there helping people with their money. <laughs> Just for the audience, I want to let you know that it is a busy day here at my office at WeWork. I share a space here with lots of other entrepreneurs. And next door, there's a lot of hubbub. I don't know what's going on. It's probably good. But it just means for us, there might be some interference. So I apologize in advance. It'll just be part of the festivities here on Ask Farnoosh Friday. Lots of excitement going on. It's almost the weekend. So Brittany, let's start with my friend Jonathan, who wrote in recently, and he said that my partner and I need some advice on earthquake insurance. They live in the Bay Area. Uh, Everyone thinks a big one is coming. You know, my parents live out there. I'm kind of worried for them. He says the insurance is about $3,000 a year, which is somewhat reasonable, but the deductible is close to 60000 on the low end of estimates. So he's not sure if he would have over $60,000 in earthquake damage. What are your thoughts on this or earthquake insurance overall? Well, Brittany, if I may start just by saying to Jonathan that I was actually in the Bay Area recently, about a year ago, soon after the big earthquake they had up near the Wine Valley, near Napa. And I spoke to a lot of the business owners there, a lot of devastation in Napa, in the center of Napa. But honestly, everyone said that they didn't have earthquake insurance and they don't regret it because what happened is like, you know, earthquake insurance, it's one of those things where it's once in a lifetime, maybe you'll use it, maybe you won't. And when it, an earthquake does hit, sometimes the damage is either so little or so bad. It's such an extreme that insurance really is not going to make or break you. You know, if that makes any sense. If it's the devastation is so bad, having insurance, um, sometimes it isn't enough. Or if it's so little that you've not really been able to tap into the insurance and really benefit from it. So people have said, you know, it's just one of those things that they save for on their own. You know, they have like their own earthquake emergency fund that they contribute to a little bit, a little bit, a little bit every single year. Maybe it's close to ten, twenty thousand dollars, but it's something for them in the event that there is a magnitude earthquake. What do you think? I mean, you live in California. There's lots of different kinds of risks there, whether it's, you know, the earthquakes, but also fires. So what do you suggest to clients about these sort of supplemental insurances, Brittany? 
Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting question because living in California, I think it's just known, like I even have my own earthquake kit here. I mean, it's just things we do, right, to prepare for that next big earthquake that everybody likes to, you know, embed fear into us all around. Um, But with Jonathan's specific question, I'm kind of with you, Farnoosh. I just feel like the insurance is very high, $3,000 a year, and it has a $60,000 deductible. So, I mean, just looking at this type of insurance long term, first, you would you would have to have $60,000 or more in damage to even get any type of benefit from this insurance policy. And if you're paying $3,000 every year for something that might happen once in a lifetime, I mean, that's just a lot of money going out the door that might be better served, like you said, either putting into a separate cash cushion account earmarked just for earthquake or, you know, maybe work with the insurance broker that's running these quotes for you and see if it, there's anything, um, you know, with a lower deductible so that if you were to pay $3,000 every year in premium for this type of insurance policy, you feel at least it would be beneficial to you in the long run. Exactly. So I think, and I think with insurance, you know, look, I'm, I'm a financial planner. I love insurance because it really is the glue that holds everything together when those unexpected major events happen. However, you know, I think in just the grand scheme of things, focus on making sure you have health insurance, disability insurance, life insurance, your home insurance first and foremost. And if you have all of those things, then you can start looking at all these extra bells and whistles, you know, in terms of different insurance coverages to get. But I just find a lot of people don't even have the basics down yet with especially disability insurance, protecting your income. So to, you know, spread out your money and get all these extra things um, first, it's kind of going in the reverse order of building a strong financial foundation. That's a great point. And I like your point about working with a broker. In this case, you know, just an example, I was shopping around for disability insurance several years ago Mm. and almost we reached out to nine different insurers, eight rejected me. One oh said, okay, God. yeah, I guess because when you're mm. quote unquote freelance, self-employed, yeah. You're, yeah. you're high risk because you could claim a, a lot of things could fall under the disability umbrella, you know, um, writer's block for one. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, that's yep. like, that's actually what they came mm-hmm. back to me. You're like, well, you could claim writer's wow. block. I'm like, really? I could? Um, so yeah. eight out of nine insurers rejected me. So it just goes to show you there is a benefit to casting a wide net. And maybe if this was the first quote that you got, there's others out there that could compete. I would agree. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move on to Caitlin and Jonathan. By the way, let us know how it goes. Okay. Um, Let us know if you have any other questions. Caitlin says, hi, Farnoosh. I recently started listening to your podcast and now I'm actually fascinated by personal finance. Woohoo. We've converted. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Fascination. (laughs) She's 26. She says, I'm 26, graduated with a master's just over a year ago, and I'm starting to think about purchasing a home. I contribute to my 401k at work. I've saved up enough money in my savings account to cover six months of expenses. And now I'm looking to open another account to save for a down payment on a home. I don't think I'm going to need it for a few years. So what type of account should I open for this purpose? A standard savings account, a CD, shoebox under my bed. What do you think, Brittany? I think I don't think she wants to roll the dice with this money. Yeah. Well, first of all, Caitlin, I'm, I'm super excited for you. The fact that you're 26 and fascinated by personal finance, Arnoosh, you're not alone. It makes me... The world is very- full of fascination around <laughs> personal finance. You just don't know. You have to be woken up to it. 
Yes, yes. Well, congratulations and really job well done. You know, there's a lot of good things happening in your financial life. So you should feel super proud about that. Um, I think in terms of just what type of account, if you're looking for a home down payment and, and you know you're going to need this money in the next few years, I say anywhere from one to five years. I personally think you don't have the opportunity to risk putting it into some sort of long term investment for potential, you know, growth, because who knows what the markets might be doing five years from now or three years from now when you need that money to purchase the home. So the best next place to put this money is just into some sort of cash account. And, um, you know, I like using bankrate.com or just these other search engines to find the best high yield savings. Ones recently that I've been using a lot of are Ally Bank has a good one. Capital One 360 has a good one. If you're an American Express card holder, you know, they have a good account. I mean, really, any institution can offer some sort of high yield savings um, and, you would probably want to label it down payment so that you know the money that you're putting into that account is actually earmarked for that goal. So you're not tempted to use it for other short-term purchases or spending. And then, you know, when you need the money, um, it's pretty flexible. So it's not locked up. There's no penalty to take out the money. And in the meantime, you're going to get a little bit more interest than your typical savings account at the bank. Not a whole lot, but that's kind of the... um, you know, the whole point is you want that money to be accessible to you when you're ready to buy. So I think just not a shoebox, definitely not a shoebox or under the mattress because we were, you know, we would definitely want to try to earn a little interest and keep up with inflation at, at best. But again, we don't have the opportunity to risk, you know, maybe investing it in the stock market and then it being a down year and you need that money. You wouldn't be a happy camper. Right. I, when I work with Jim Cramer, who, by the way, is going to join us on So Money soon, oh. stay tuned for that. Um, but he has this saying that if you need the money in it, and at any point between now and the next five years, don't put it in the stock market. Don't put it in anything risky. You want to keep it, like you said, accessible, liquid. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. And if you can get a little bit of interest on that, swell. But the goal isn't to really, you know, uh, make money with this money at this point. It's really to use it later for this home purchase. And I would also say, you know, in addition to Ally Bank and these other great high yield accounts, there's this other website. They don't pay me. So I'm not saying this because I'm paid to say this. I actually really think that they have a great model uh, for savings. It's called smartypig.com and they are attached to a real bank. They give a pretty competitive uh, yield. I think it's like 1%. I know that sounds so lousy, but it's 1%. And, but what's cool is that they have this social sharing component where you open up this account, you label it, whatever you want. A lot of people go on there and they go for, you know, the house, the car, the vacation. They label it so that's like visually stimulating. And then they can invite through a link, they can invite friends to donate or contribute. I'm putting using big air quotes, donate to the account. So that's cool, right? Because everybody wants to help people with their goals. And I think these days we're being really open about the fact that we want to buy homes and we have big goals. We want to pay off student loans. And this could be a great way to get the community, your friends, your family, your colleagues to contribute to your goal. And that's another way to maybe you're not getting a great interest rate, but you're getting some additional external contributions. So something I love to think that you about. Said that. 
Yeah, and I actually know a lot of a lot of my clients use Smarty Pig. I I just think um, with the whole crowdfunding, you know, generation now, it's like becoming more and more common, especially if your people are getting married, to open up some sort of Smarty Pig account and like have their wedding gifts go into that versus you know buying them something from Bed Bath and Beyond. So it is really cool. Yeah, for sure. I personally don't know if any of my friends would donate to, to build my my uh, short-term goals, but you never know. Well, my sister-in-law just got married and she registered for a house. <laughs> I mean, nice. there's, like there's websites yeah. that you can, you know, use to say, hey, contribute to my down payment on a home or whatever. So I think, I think, you know, it can't hurt to ask. Let's talk about Angie's question. She says she's going to be getting a bonus from her job, 20 grand. Wow. She says, what do I do with this money? Do I pay off my car? She says she owes about $17,000 on the car. Annual uh, rate is 3.5%. Or does she save it and complete her three-month reserve? She says paying off my car will free up $500 a month from my budget. Thanks and keep up the great work. Wow. Well... I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of split on this. First of all, I don't know if three months is enough, but I think if you don't have three months, you want to get to three months as soon as possible. I would love to see five months, six months reserved. So maybe she, I would I don't know. Maybe she could go splitsies. Uh, what do you think she could do? Like ten thousand towards the reserve, and then another ten thousand to pay down the car. What would you say to her? Yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, what we also have to remember is that when you get a bonus, a lot of that goes out for taxes. So we're, you know, we're looking at $20,000 gross bonus. That might actually be only half of that when taxes are taken out, you know, depending on her situation. So first, you know, we want to always plan ahead for that. Um, So say there's like 10 or 12,000 left over. I know personally, I'm with you. I think you need, you want to build up the reserve and any type Anytime we get windfalls, what I always like to tell clients is, you know, think about a general allocation of thirds. So like 30% should go toward, you know, building cash, another 30% toward debt reduction, and maybe you use the remaining third, um, you know, toward big purchase items and treating yourself to like something that you've been wanting to do or something on your wish list. Um, However, because she's looking at paying off a car, I'm also... the believer in the car is a depreciating asset and it's a lower interest rate. So I don't know, unless you really need to free up that $500 a month, putting more onto something that is a depreciating asset may not make the most sense if you have your cash cushion that you still need to build, or maybe you invest it into a retirement account that would get even higher um, percentage, you know, rate of return than three and a half percent. So it is very dependent upon obviously her situation, but in the grand scheme of things, you can also just look at the, the 30, you know, 30, 30, 30 rule of thumb. I agree. And think about it. Like if you're going to put most of this money towards savings and you're no longer making that monthly payment towards savings, if I assume you were doing something towards your savings, maybe we were taking 5% of your income or a hundred bucks a week, use that to now allocate towards the the car. And hopefully this is a car that is in good condition. It'll last you. It's not like you're going to pay it off and then sell it because that would be a waste of money. (laughs) But like it's something that you're investing in, even though it's a depreciating asset, perhaps it's in good condition. It'll last you for five, six, seven years 
hopefully longer. And then, you know, there's more justification and putting more towards it. Uh, but I agree, you know, that's a great way to think about it. And remember those taxes, because I always forget too. <laughs> I was oh, always yeah. excited around holiday season. Oh, I got $10,000. And it's like, it, it, it actually gets deposited and it's like, like four thousand dollars like what <laughs> i know it's always like the, Wah, the like, yeah i know um always keeping it real for us Brittany. thank you <clears throat> amanda says do you have any recommended resources that go into more detail on guiding couples through money dates and meetings we've been dating for almost 10 years we live together we have a really good system for joint expenses both of us use mint and we look at our individual accounts we feel we're on the same page as uh, same page about money, but we don't really talk about it. We're both willing, but we're not really sure what we should, how we should go into it together. If we were to sit down, I don't know where to start. Where do we start? What do we actually do? Brittany, I'm turning this over to you because you actually have really good advice around this couples and money. Go. Yes, I'm so excited. I love this question so, so very much. Okay, so I actually just emailed one of my clients today and she just got into a new relationship and it's going really well, which is exciting. So I sent her some things to do in her money date together. So I love the idea of having money dates. I do them every week myself for both my personal and business financial life. And even though I have, you know, a bookkeeper and CPA, I, I still believe in being in there and being very um, aware of what's happening in my financial life. So I also teach clients to do money dates because I find that furniture, like I'm sure you've heard it before, everybody like hates budgeting and they know they need to do it and they know they need to sit down and review what their, you know, mint is showing them or whatever tracking system they're using. But the reality is a lot of people just don't do it. Um, because of emotional roadblocks or they're busy and just excuse after excuse. So after dealing with that in my career, I always thought, wow, you know, imagine if we can make time with our money more exciting as if it's a really exciting date. You know, you get all dressed up, maybe have a glass of wine and you play music and that way it's so much more enjoyable versus this you know, horrible thing in your calendar that you have to do and, you know, ruin your day because you got to sit down and look at your accounts or budget. I agree. So, Think of it as like a fun event. I like the idea of yeah. getting dressed up. Maybe you, maybe <laughs> the, the, like the prize is like, okay, we're going to get through this first 30 minutes, 45. And by the way, you don't have to spend a lot of time. I know couples that do 15 minutes. It doesn't have yeah. to be this like lecture hour. But then you could say, you know, we have a, we, we know we're going to try to, sorry, my mic just fell. <laughs> you can say, you know, we want to go to this movie at eight o'clock. So let's talk at like 630 and then we'll be done by seven and then we can make it to the movie with ample time. So you have something to look forward to even more than, you know, just talking about money at the meeting. It's so true. I mean, it just, you know, it just needs to be part of like your routine and lifestyle. So the the more consistently you do it, the easier it becomes. And then in terms of like one of the first things you can start to talk about together, I have a toolkit. Here's my shameless plug. If you go to my website, you can download the toolkit. Um, and in the toolkit, there's a money story questionnaire and also a dream worksheet. I always think these activities are really good to start with, especially if you've never talked about money, because you don't want to really go into your first money conversation and, you know, 
demand to know how much is in their 401k or what their credit score is or, you know, how much money they're making. It might be a little harsh and too much in the first conversation. So you might have to ease into it. And really by exploring the past and then going into your future, which is your dreams, it kind of takes like this heaviness and and pressure off of people getting really insecure or, um, you know, defensive about being clear and honest with their financial life. So the money story questionnaire is awesome. I love couples to do that. You know, I love having couples do this initially where you basically answer the questionnaire and it's just asking like, hey, how did your parents deal with money? What have been your personal experiences with money up until this point? Like what was a major accomplishment? What are some areas you want to work on? So it just kind of asks you about your story with money up until now. And if couples do this individually, and then maybe you have your first conversation around that, like you share it, you basically say, wow, this was like an eye opener. I didn't realize all this worry I had with money maybe came from my parents because, you know, growing up, they're always stressed around money or whatever it is. You know, it's just like a good opportunity to explore your own past, become aware of it and then share so that you can have more compassion with one another um, moving forward in your conversations. Um, and then the other part, the dream worksheet is always exciting because now we're talking about your aspirations and dreams and vision for your life, which tends to be exciting. And um, then you're bringing that energy in as well. So, you know, you can really learn and listen to one another. And it's okay if you have different dreams and goals. I don't think any couple I've ever worked with has exactly identical money story, morning personality or dreams with their money. But again, the whole point is to get clear of your own vision, your own dreams, communicate it clearly with one another so that you can really become partners and support one another, um, cheer each other on, you know, really leverage each other's strengths, become aware of their weaknesses so that maybe, you know, you delegate accordingly. And that way you really feel like you're in it together and you're in it for the long haul. In it to win it, baby. That's In it to win it. High five. (laughs) And I I love your advice about not worrying about the money right away, but really talk about your goals and your aspirations Mm -hmm. and behaviors that's a lot more telling and more just more motivational than you know just checking your credit to check your credit like we have a goal in mind Mm -hmm. i think that's that's Mm -hmm. great uh couple more questions before i let you go Brittany. i want to talk now about ernest's money dilemma he's 63 and he's um he says he's disabled due to medical problems he says he makes 1576 dollars a month uh, and his wife, who's also disabled, makes 641. So together they make about uh, like almost 2200 around 2200 bucks a month. Their house payment is $608. You're writing this down? I am. <laughs> house payment <laughs> is 608 Utilities, 400 Food, 300 They also have a car payment, which he didn't describe the amount. I need your help. I don't know what to do. Well, I think he has an income problem. And also, mm-hmm. I don't know why utilities are 400 if the house payment's only 600 You know, I think they're being pretty conservative with food. I don't think they can get that any lower for two people a month. But utilities, my gosh, 400 I would start there. And that seems to be a pretty, I mean, that's monthly. So that's, uh, you know, over the course of a year, that's almost $5,000. So if they can even shave like 20% off their utilities, and I would recommend, Ernest, that you um, contact your utility company and ask them to do an energy audit of your home, you might have some leaks, some energy leaks. Um, you know, I know it's 
the, the seasons are changing and, and certain months are more expensive than others. But overall, that sounds like a pretty high average. So see, they'll come and do an energy audit. Sometimes they charge you for this, but because you're on disability, I think that you could probably get that waived and that might be able to cut that cost down. But ultimately, I think you want to try to find some additional passive income. What do you think, um, Brittany? I mean, it's not like we can just ask Ernest to go out there and work more, but ways where he can monetize things that are around the house, things that he's not using. Um, I'm sure you get this question a lot from people that like, I've saved everything I can. I've cut every corner. I'm still not able to make my life work. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very difficult situation for sure. And, um, I think, you know, it's trying to focus on, like you said, cut out as much as possible with those utilities or other fixed expenses. And then after that, you have to look at the other side of the equation, which is income and think of every creative solution you can think of in terms of bringing home additional um, money every month. So, you know, selling things, eBay, Craigslist. I mean, there's so many sites now, um, where you can just list, you know, things that you have in your home that you're not using that might have value. That would be a short term option, you know, just to raise some extra money. Um, if there's any type of like consulting you could do or, um, tutoring, I mean, really just thinking, above and beyond um, your normal nine to five job and saying, okay, what skills do I possess um, that I could help somebody and bring value to their life and then therefore be able to charge, uh, you know, something for that. So I think especially um, in this world we live in, even if you have a job, you have to think creatively because, it, you know, it's just that type of economy at any given time. You can lose your job. They might downsize or if you're self-employed or a business owner, it's constantly thinking of how do I add more value into the workplace to get the money that I need to support my own, you know, plan and, and goals that I have. So um, it's not just you, Ernest. I think we all have to think like this, but I would just start looking and, and really um assessing, you know, if there's anything you can do online, you know, there's lots of ways to even teach webinars online and, and have, you know, create a class. Maybe you, you have a skill and you could create a little webinar class around it and then list it somewhere like um, on these online course websites and charge, you know, for it and start to make some income on the side. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, at this stage in your life, maybe you've collected collected some things that so you can, you, yeah. you know you want to get rid of you want to downsize so think about how you can sell that online and even if you don't want to get rid of things you can rent things like um mm -hmm. loanables.com you can even rent your car out you know you mentioned you have oh. a car payment depending on where you are geographically there's more interest in this obviously in bigger cities uh, as people are looking for more affordable ways to rent cars and citizens are giving up their cars for the by the hour by the day by the week uh, and making some pretty good money. So a site like RelayRides.com, Ernest, is one that I know uh, even comes with insurance for their car owners so that you don't have to worry about your car getting totaled and then you're uh, on the hook for that. So, you know, just one of the, I guess, beauties of the economy that we're in is that there's a lot of online resources that can help people who want to make income, whether passively or actively, do that. They're connecting people with uh, other people who want to, uh, take advantage of their skills or their assets. So that would be my advice to you and check out, you know, why your utility bill is so high. Maybe there's a way to bring that down by a little bit. 
And lastly, we have a question from Catherine. She says, I've been, I've been at my current job for three years. It's a pleasant environment. I work 35 to 40 hours a week with four weeks of paid vacation per year. All right. She says the, the salaries, though, are consistently 10 to 15,000 below market. So if I stay for five years, I'll be vested in the pension, which would be $4,000 annually in retirement. Would it be worth staying another two years to be vested? Is it worth sacrificing a lower salary now, especially when I have student loan payments, $9,000 in credit cards? It seems there's no guarantee a pension will still even be around when I retire in 30 years. What are your thoughts? My gosh, it sounds like she has the golden handcuffs or something. Like, we're going to give you this amazing, you know, pension. So, and she also gets this nice vacation. So I don't know. It sounds like, it sounds like a tough call. It is a tough call. But, you know, as you were saying it, I was just jotting down some numbers. So if she's getting $10,000 less in her salary than market rate, and she stayed at this job, let's just say nothing changes, right? And just throw some general numbers. So 30 years of working ahead of her, and she's sacrificing $10,000 per year, and that's $300,000 she's leaving on the table by not going after a job that pays her her market rate. Um, To me, having $300,000 over the course of your working years in which you can save and invest and really take advantage of compounding interest to create a bigger nest egg in retirement is going to be so much more valuable than getting a whopping $4,000 annually in a retirement pension. I mean, you know, even if we just took $300,000 and say at the end of her time frame, we had a nest egg extra of $300,000 in retirement planning, we like to use this thing called the rule of um, 4%, which is a 4% withdrawal rate. So even if we took 4% off of that nest egg in retirement per year, that's about $12,000. So it's still, to me, like just broad strokes, it, it looks like a better scenario if she left this job, which it doesn't really sound, I mean, it, it is, sounds nice, but I don't think she should um, base it off of this pension amount because that yeah. pension of 4000 is really not that much money um, to be, you know, making the, the deciding factor here. I think what you really have to look at is could you actually go get one of these jobs that you say, you know, could pay you more and would that give you the same type of pleasant working environment that you're looking for. Because I also think that's really important in your job. You know, you want to find a place that you enjoy and, you know, um, isn't like a negative atmosphere for you. I totally agree. And Catherine, if you've been at this job for three years already and you're still at the kind of early stages of your long-term career, this is the time to really jump around. And they say that the best way to make more money is to change jobs. You know, I think uh, you can try to negotiate your heart out at this company and I, you should, you should definitely flex that negotiating muscle, get used to and comfortable asking for more on this current job. And if they're not going to budge, then I think, then I think Brittany, you're, you're absolutely right. You want to move on and try to find a place that's going to value your value. That's going to pay you for what you're not just worth, but what they, the value that you're bringing to the company. So, um, maybe use this as a learning lesson and hopefully your, your colleagues will follow suit because this company sounds like it's kind of selling you a false bill of goods, selling you a false bill of goods. 
All right, that's a wrap. Uh, Brittany, I think this is all we can take for one Friday. Thank you so much, Jonathan, oh. Caitlin, Angie, Amanda, Ernest, Catherine, and of course, Brittany Castro, my uh, my special, special guest from Ask Farnoosh. And tell us what's going on in your world. You have so many amazing um, online offerings, and I would love for you to brag a little bit more about you know what's, what's cooking at uh, Brittany Castro, Inc., <laughs> Thank you. I love bragging. So definitely come over to financiallywisewomen.com and sign up to get the free toolkit because I think some of the things I mentioned, even just the, the questionnaire and the dream worksheet can be incredibly helpful as you continue to, you know, live this financially wise life. Um, I do also have an online money class, which is amazing. So if you've never, you know, taken that personal financial education course that we all should have received growing up, but didn't. Um, this is a good opportunity to enroll in an online class. It's six weeks. Um, you can buy and start the class at any time. And, you know, I have a lot of clients from you who start here and they implement my teachings and recommendations. And six months later, they come back to me for one-on-one -on -one financial planning because now their situation has improved that much and they have more money to work with or, you know, they finally paid off their debt to free up cash flow. And um, it's amazing that, you know, this class can help people do that. So I think it's, it's a great first step. If you've never worked with a financial planner, um, you know, take that class, get things going in your financial life, and then you can come back to me for more personalized financial planning when you're ready. So all of those things can be found at financiallywisewomen.com. And um, I also do weekly videos. So it's, it's really cool to um, be able just to t talk about money and video tips. And I've recently started doing a series that will be released soon and it's called Money Hacks. So each month I'll have a different theme and I'll give like little tips and hacks to help you improve your financial life within that specific financial topic. So a lot of things brewing here. We like to keep it fun and exciting and uh, we always like dancing. So yeah, <laughs> you rap too, Lots right? of dance parties. Yes, I rap. I have a rap video. So uh, <laughs> that's great. And uh, hey, if you want money, you got to work. So you got to work, you got to work, you got to work it, hustle it. You Pretty. want money, you got to work. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm so there. I'm checking it out. Hey, I hope you have a great weekend, Brittany. Thank you, Farnoosh. You too. That's a wrap. Thanks so much again, Brittany Castro. That is our Ask Farnoosh episode for this Friday. As always, you can send me your questions at somoneypodcast.com. Just click on Ask Farnoosh and it's as simple as one, two, three. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope it's so money. <laughs>